since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the podcast. Okay, just first off, uh, let me just say that I got a lot of feedback about last week's episode, and I'm going to be recording kind of a follow-up episode, I guess. I don't know. You guys have never done this before, but my mom and I will be recording an episode that will come out next week, next Monday, kind of just a follow-up and with some feedback. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. Today, though, we have a very exciting episode. Dr. Brooke Scheller is here. She's back. I am lucky to call her a friend. She has been so supportive of of me, and I just cannot wait for you guys to read her new book that is out December 26th. 
It is called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. So Brooke is a doctor of nutrition. She shared her story on the podcast a while ago. I think it was last year. We'll link that in the show notes so you guys can get her backstory. And in this episode, we talk all about what's in her book and really what we can do to you know, minimize cravings and to help detox your body from alcohol. And we talk about alcohol in the wellness industry and what a problem that is. And it's, you know, it's all the stuff that we talk about all the time. And I'm just so thankful that she wrote this book, that it's going to be out in the world. You guys need to read it. It will be part of our book club in February. So come over to the Sober Mom Life Cafe where we have meetings all the time throughout the week. And we also have a monthly book club. So we will be talking about her book in February. I'll just link it all in the show notes. Be sure if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it. That helps us get discovered by more moms who want to examine their relationships with alcohol and come and follow me on my kind of suite to see a full sober life. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Dr. Brooke Scheller, thank you for being Ah, here. Yay! I'm so happy to be back. Honestly, I was really looking forward to this conversation for so many reasons, but like we've been talking about this, you and I, for a while. Yes. And it's crazy. I just shared with you the books just came to me uh, today, and I'll be posting a video later of me unboxing. I mean, wild. Amazing. Like, is it just kind of like a pinch me moment that it's finally here? Like you get to hold the hardcover book in your hand. You get to see all the blurbs on the back and everybody who's singing your praises as they should, like seeing your name. How does it feel? It feels crazy. I mean, you know, I, my friend came and and helped me do the recording for the video this morning and her and I are standing here crying together because she's a good friend of mine. And she was with me from the beginning of my sobriety journey when I just told oh, her wow. I'm going to try to quit drinking. Yeah. And the book to me is like, this is my journey. I, I started the process of writing a book proposal three months into my sobriety journey, which seems pretty crazy. Like who the hell was I to be saying I can write a book? I never will claim to be a sobriety expert. I will claim to be an expert in nutrition, which is what my background is in. Yeah. And all I simply have done is taken the tools of nutrition that so many of us know about and topics that we're all interested in, like hormones and gut health and how to better support our mood and our brain through foods, and applied that all to this very relevant topic, which is sobriety. And this is not going any. This movement is not leaving. Like, if you are on the sobriety journey right now, you are on the forefront of this huge movement because we are going to continue to see massive growth in the non-alcoholic beverage space, Mm -hmm. in the sobriety space, in people utilizing this as part of their their health journey because for so long we have just been pretending, (laughs) for lack of a better word, that this isn't as big of a problem in our society as it is. And we're on the precipice of a huge change and a huge transformation. And I am just so, so, so grateful that I get to be a teensy part of the conversation about it. It's so exciting. It's so exciting and it's so needed. And 
that's amazing that like three months into your sobriety journey, you know what though? That just shows like you saw a hole, which there was a huge need for this. So you're a doctor of clinical nutrition and we talk about this a lot in like healthcare and practitioners and our doctors and just wellness spaces overall tend to have a huge blind spot when it comes to alcohol. Like they just do. I mean, first of all, everyone does. You guys will link, Brooke has been on the podcast before, of course. And so we'll link that last episode where you really went into your story. But it was kind of Uh like a wellness, you know, a doctor who knows her shit and who talks about this and knows nutrition and is healthy by day and then drinking by night. Theoretically. Yeah, like that's just kind of what happens. And when we try to talk to our doctors about it, like what answers do we get and that we're not really talking about it. And so when you saw that need and that whole being like, oh, wait a second, why aren't we talking about this? So that's what this book is doing. And it's just so needed. Yeah. And I share about that in the book too, a little bit of that doctor experience of like, we've all been there where you go and you have to fill out the form and you're like, how am I going to answer this? Am I going to like a, pretend I'm an angel and I like don't do anything wrong and I never drink. And, you know, in my experience, and I live in New York City, so I always have to imagine that it's a little bit different here. There's such a huge drinking culture. Isn't it funny? Wait, hold on real quick because it's so funny. Everyone <laughs> says that no matter where they're from. It's like, yeah. like in the Midwest, we'll be like, well, you guys probably don't understand because here – people drink. (laughs) And then like in Alabama or like the South, they'll be like, okay, so, well, I'm from Alabama and, you know, it's different in other parts of the country because like everyone drinks. And I just want to be like, no, you guys, (laughs) everyone drinks. (laughs) The reason why I point that out in particular is this experience in terms of of, of my doctor, right? Because people drink all over. You're right. It's like, I think everywhere has an issue with with alcohol. Yeah. But there's this expectation in New York that you're supposed to be successful and drink, right? Mm. Like you need to be working your ass off by day and by night be sipping this, you know, cosmopolitan a la Carrie Bradshaw, right? Yes. And my experience with my last doctor that I had seen before getting sober, I'll never forget you know, again, sitting there waiting, filling out the form, trying to be like kind of honest, but not too honest. And I go in bracing for the conversation and she goes, do you drink alcohol? And I said, yeah. And she goes, socially? And I said, yeah. She answered the question for me. Like, yeah, like they don't want to touch it either. They're not prepared in the eight minute visit to get into that topic. Unless I were to maybe come out and say, hey, I'm struggling. I I need some help where she would probably say, try AA, right? Right. And I feel like they also don't want to touch it because like healthcare practitioners have some of the highest drinking rates of any profession. And so if they touch that, then she's got to say, oh, am I going to have to look at my drinking? I mean, there's a lot that goes into why our doctors aren't talking to us truthfully about alcohol. Totally. And I I made a post about this on Instagram not long ago and it, you know, you get you get interesting sides of the coin of people that that respond to this. My belief is that when a healthcare professional doesn't address alcohol, there's one of two things going on. One is that they are truly disconnected 
they've never experienced alcohol use disorder. They don't work with clients who have experienced alcohol use disorder. And they truly just aren't really aware of how many people are struggling with this. Or they also have an alcohol use problem and are also trying to justify their own behavior. And I can Mm -hmm. say that because I have been a healthcare practitioner for 10 plus years and I've only been sober for two and a half of them. So at one point, I was also someone who was nodding along and saying, oh, yeah, you know, as long as it's not too much of a problem or, you know, if someone didn't want to talk about it, I wasn't going to drag out the conversation because I was feeling uncomfortable about it too, right? Yes, yes. And see, that's icky, right? This is like part of my amends to the world is writing this book and helping to surface this conversation because it is a problem with healthcare practitioners and it is a problem in the wellness world. And none of us are immune to this. No. None of us are immune to alcohol use disorder or having a unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And there's so much power in taking a stance against this. And that's why I love your platform, Suzanne, because like it's all about empowerment. Like this is a fucking superpower. Yeah. This is not something say, hey, you can say of. fuck even louder if you want. <laughs> fuck. Fucking fuck. Just say it. Just say fuck. I was just thinking, like, I don't think the book has any F bombs. Really? Can we reprint it just with one? There might be a shit. Okay. Okay. There well, that's be. good. There might be I'm a like, shit. That's now right. I'm looking back, I'm like, book two is going right. to have to yeah, have yeah, some yeah. more F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in the because title even. We can't know. all be this seriously. <laughs> you know, we can't all be this serious no, all the time. No, it's great. You guys, I don't even know if I said the the title of the book, How to Eat to Change How You Drink. It's a really good title. It is almost my original title, which my original title was How to Eat Not to Drink. And oh, it was okay, like, yep. well, we got to open this up a little bit and make it more for people who are wanting to change. And and that's the goal of this book is no matter where you're at in your journey, if you're someone who's already sober, if you're just starting your journey, or if you haven't, if this is your first kind of exploration into alcohol reduction or elimination, this book is going to meet you where you're at. So it's intended and designed to provide recommendations that can support everyone that has an alcohol use history, regardless of your starting point. Yes. I love that so much. And okay, we have to get into the the three drinking archetypes. I love this because (laughs) she lights up. You guys, she she lit up. Well, no, the reason why I'm laughing and I love talking about it, but the reason why I'm laughing about it or lighting up about it is because I'm just surprised that this is something that, that there's so much interest around. So yes, let's talk about it. I mean, I think it's great, though, because it is meeting you where you are. And it's like, okay, where do we fit in? Because that's what has been missing in the alcohol conversation. It's like, well, if I'm not an alcoholic, then what? Right? And so I I do think like putting kind of categories so people can see, okay, am I this, this, or this? And then that does help kind of guide us through as we change our relationship with alcohol. Okay, so tell me about them. So the, the three archetypes that you're, you're bringing up, the third chapter of the book starts to break down how you identify your experiences with drinking. So I've created these three drinking archetypes. There's not scientific evidence behind these things. They are my opinion based on an expert, not only as a healthcare practitioner, but also as someone who's been now involved in the sobriety community for a few years now. And really what inspired them was I had my own experience, right, where I was a pretty heavy drinker for since I was a teenager, you know, heavier into my 20s and early 30s before I quit. 
But when I started working with clients and I started working in the alcohol-free space, I had people coming to me that wanted to quit or cut back on drinking that had a very different experience with alcohol. Mm-hmm. They were someone who, you know, they they never drank every day. They, you know, never had an experience where, you know, they went long periods of time where they were drinking like several times per week. The social drinker, which is one of the drinking archetypes, was really what inspired the development of these archetypes. Because I had people coming to me saying, well, I don't know if I should be getting sober. Like I never, I don't, have a problem. I could stop drinking for a month at a time. I only drink one or two days a week or a couple of times a month. But when I start, I can't stop. And for me, I'm a scientist, right? And I need to know why. There's biologically something going on there, right? Right, right. And that's a big part of what inspired all of my work in that the sobriety space today, we talk a lot about mental health and addressing traumas and behavioral change but we're completely ignoring this whole physiological thing that's happening, which is this is a substance that changes our body's biochemistry. So when I started thinking of the drinking archetypes, I'm saying, well, why is my body a body that gets addicted to alcohol and then wants it every day, whereas someone else's body can go long periods of time without it, but when they pick up a drink, they can't stop. Yeah. So the underpinnings of the drinking archetypes was to, it's very different from a, a typical quit lit book in that it's a memoir or it's documenting the sobriety experience. This is a guide to healing your body and to changing your relationship through food and supplementation. So the three drinking archetypes were created to continue to have a connection point for you. Whereas throughout the remainder of the book, there are recommendations based on those specific archetypes. Mm -hmm. So my goal was to be as actionable as possible so that you can read this and walk away with some real tangible things to do. Yes. And you hit it out of the park. You made it palatable. And like I could, I'm like, Mm. oh, okay, I understand this. Like you're walking me through it. You're helping me. And it's not all of this like esoteric talk that is over my head because that could happen very quickly when it comes to biochemistry, neurotransmitters, all of that stuff that I'm just, Mm -hmm. that's not how my brain works. And so, yes, you hit it out of the park. Well, thank you. My my goal is to always to try to make this information as palatable, as digestible, if you will. No pun intended oh, or that. pun intended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have 10 years of training in nutrition. I've been in the field for close to 15 years now. I don't expect that everyone should be understanding this information. But that doesn't mean we don't deserve to know things like, wow, alcohol consumption has affected my gut microbiome. It might be contributing to my autoimmune disease. It might have contributed to some of these other health concerns I've experienced. Nutrient deficiencies are a huge part of what we talk about in the book because, you know, while some of the science is still developing around alcohol and how bad it truly is for our brain or for our heart or these other areas, one thing that is very well studied is how bad alcohol is for our nutrient levels. Alcohol depletes out all of our key vitamins, including B vitamins, which are important for energy and mood, for our overall cellular health, things like magnesium, which is our body's relaxing mineral. 
if we want to relax, we need magnesium. 70% of the, the population is deficient. So when wow. we can start to understand how or what types of deficiencies might be present, and then we can incorporate those via food, via supplements, that can have a real impact on our ability to continue successfully in our sobriety journey. So it's, it's such an exciting time for this, this work to come out. I'm elated is the I word that tell. I want to use. You guys, she's glowing yeah. as she should be. I mean, that's that's the sobriety author glow, you guys. You know, you do talk about, okay, so we're eating healthy during the week, right? We're like going on detoxes. We're um, drinking our celery juice, which I'm not because gross. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're taking our ritual vitamins, hashtag ad. We're doing all of these things, right? And then- Friday night and we're like, hey, no, 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 all good. Nothing to see here because I'm going to drink. Like I am so healthy, you know, during the week Mm -hmm. I I work out and I eat right and now game on. And like how does that affect us? Mm -hmm. I think that that probably is the typical drinker. Yeah. It's not good, I can say. (laughs) It's not good, you guys. Not good, guys. That's my professional opinion is it's not good. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) You know, it's it's wasteful is essentially what it is mm. because when we're doing all these things to support our body, we're spending a lot of money, we're putting in a lot of effort into these things, we are striving for something that is truly attainable. So like supplements, for example, are really, really beneficial. They're really important. The American diet, the general world diet, not just the American diet, but, you know, some of the statistics I'm most familiar with in the American diet, things like we talked about, like 70% of people aren't getting enough magnesium, 95% of people aren't getting enough fiber, right? By using supplements, we can really bridge some of these gaps, which are really, really important. But again, something like alcohol is so disruptive and so toxic to our body's system that we can't necessarily make up for it in these good actions. And what I always tell people, because, you know, it's tough. And if, if you're listening to this and you're not alcohol-free yet and you're on the fence of going there and you're saying, like, that's crazy. Like, well, what about if I want to drink a little bit? Or what if I don't drink that much? Like, you might be listening and going, well, I don't drink that much, right? But here's the thing. If you have a health goal or a health condition, regardless of what that is, I can tell you that alcohol is making it worse. So if you have a goal to achieve a healthy weight, or if you have a thyroid problem, or you have an autoimmune disorder, or a imbalanced digestive system, if you get headaches, if you have joint pain, we could go on and list out everything that you feel or experience. But what we talk about in the book is that alcohol affects all of these pathways in the body. It creates inflammation throughout the system. It causes imbalances in the gut microbiome. It causes issues with our immune system. It causes hormone imbalances, affects what we eat, why we have cravings for certain foods. It's a big deal. It isn't just this harmless substance that we enjoy on the weekends. And If you are listening, I assume you have an interest in sobriety. So you're here for a reason, that's for sure. And if you're questioning this, what I can tell you is that your life is going to be so markedly improved 
with alcohol elimination, physically, mentally, I mean, let's talk anxiety and depression. Yes. A lot of us have anxiety and depression, drink to support that, and then feel worse afterwards. Well, that's also affecting our nutrients, which are key for the production of things like dopamine and serotonin, right? If we drink and we deplete out these nutrients, we will have low levels of these feel-good hormones, these feel-good chemicals in our brain. So the more we drink, the worse that it will be and the, the more impact it's going to have on our body. But even a binge drink once a week has an impact on our hormones, our cortisol, our gut microbiome, our nutrient levels, all of it. So if you're not feeling your best, this is a big opportunity for you to make some changes that are going to help you feel better. Yes. And what about organic wine, though? Surely. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> or or what about just like tequila or vodka when there's no sugar, right? Right. So the, I call this the vodka club theory. Oh, there's I love it. There's a in the book that I talk about the vodka club theory that is – as long as it doesn't have sugar or it's a clear liquor, then you're fine. Yeah. In fact, in 2020, I remember this vividly. There was like all of this viral social media content that was like, tequila is good for your gut. Drink it. It's great. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. here's the thing. Yes, alcohol that has more carbs or calories, that's going to contribute to your body's overall intake. Unfortunately, the most damaging part of an alcoholic beverage is the alcohol. It has nothing to do with what you're mixing it with. Mm -hmm. It is the ethanol molecule, which is what causes you to feel drunk. Mm -hmm. And the reason why alcohol makes us feel drunk is because it's poisoning our nervous system. That feeling that we get, what else would that be? It's our body being affected by a toxin. Yeah. And that's important to know because it doesn't matter if it's organic, which just means it's grown without pesticides. It doesn't matter if it's low in carbs or low in calories. If you're searching for that drunk, the, the part that makes you drunk, well, that's the same part that's affecting your health. Mm -hmm. So don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger. It's Cameron Diaz's fault, you guys. Let's take her down. <laughs> I always have vendettas on here. It was Molly <laughs> Simpson. Now apparently it's Cameron Diaz. I mean, it's the organic wine shit that drives me insane. It's also mm -hmm. the like, oh, well, it's the sugar in your drink. That's the reason that I'm hungover. And I'm like, oh, just fuck off. I can't stand <laughs> it. I can't stand it. No, it's because you poisoned your body last night yes. and now you're dehydrated. That feeling of a hangover is the feeling of your body trying to metabolize the byproducts of alcohol, which are toxins. They're, they are literally on the cancer-causing list of carcinogens, both alcohol and its byproducts. Okay, so what are just nutritional changes we can make when we are maybe in our first 30 days? without alcohol, when we are kind of battling the, the cravings and the, cause I talk on here a lot about behavioral changes, right? Like that's kind of how my mind works, but there are actual things and you call it functional sobriety that we can do that will help us reduce cravings and really get the most out of that, even that early sobriety. 
Yes. So functional sobriety is the approach that I developed based on functional medicine and nutrition practices that can support a sober, sober, curious lifestyle. So thank you for bringing that up. And one of the the key things that we focus on is how we can use food, nutrition, supplements to support making sobriety an easier experience, right? So there's kind of two pieces. One is, well, we can use it for early sobriety and making it stick a little bit more for eliminating cravings, for boosting energy, improving mood, which is another big one, lowering anxiety, right? But on the other side too, nutrition, food, and supplements can also help heal the body from all of the damaging effects of what we're talking about, this toxic substance that we consume and all of the different areas of the body that are affected, like the gut, like the hormones, et cetera. But one of my number one first recommendations for anyone who's in their first 30 days, first 60 days, first couple of months, especially if you're struggling with cravings or or if you have been someone who has really tried to get sober, you've you've done all the right things, but then all of a sudden you have like a day and you have a drink and you don't really know what happened. Well, a big part of what I talk about in the book is how alcohol has affected our blood sugar. If you have a history of drinking, there is a very good chance that you experience hypoglycemia on a regular basis. Hypoglycemia means that we have a tendency to drop blood sugar. And if you have heard of something like being hangry before and that irritation or that kind of frantic feeling that we get when we're very hungry. Like you could just eat that's anything. That's low blood sugar. Yes. Exactly. You can eat your, your own arm off, yeah. right? That is low blood sugar, right? So that can happen more frequently for people who have a drinking history. And that has to do with some of the biochemistry, which you can learn more about in the book. But anytime we are in this early part of sobriety, we have this tendency to dropping into low blood sugar. And anytime we go into a state of low blood sugar, what we need in order to get out of that feeling is something like sugar or carbohydrates, which is like why when we have low blood sugar, we need like a quick source of energy, right? To give us back that energy. But also what temporarily raises blood sugar is alcohol. And so anytime we drop into that state of low blood sugar, we're in an emergency SOS situation because our body says, I need quick energy that's either going to come from sugar, carbs, or alcohol. So one of the biggest things that you can do right now, starting today, starting at your next meal or snack, is starting to add more protein. Increasing protein intake at every meal and snack, but also by focusing on having more frequent meals, so every three to four hours or so, that's going to help us avoid that low blood sugar pitfall. And that's going to keep us away from getting to that place where we're really craving, whether that's sugar or alcohol, because when we take away the alcohol, it switches to sugar. And this is a big part of why it switches to sugar. A lot of people think it's a dopamine thing. Yeah. It isn't necessarily dopamine. It has a lot to do with blood sugar as well. Yeah. I did want to talk to you about sugar too, because you know, (sighs) that's my... That's my thing. Like literally anytime now anyone talks about alcohol and like how to, you know, alcohol addiction, I replaced it in my mind with sugar. And I'm like, okay, you've got this. Like Mm -hmm. I need a sugar 
addict community because it's just constantly my thing. And it is true. Like Mm -hmm. when I stopped drinking, even though I was drinking, I was a moderate, you know, I was moderating successfully. I say that in big quotes all the time because I don't know what that is. Once I stopped, like my sugar intake, I didn't know it could go up, but it did. (laughs) Yeah. And so what do I do? Help me. It's protein, right? Absolutely protein. You need more protein. Yeah. If I'm 80% vegetarian, like I don't love meat. Mm -hmm. I just can't stomach it. So it's the beans and the legumes and all of that. Yes. But I would also challenge you like I'm actually a big proponent of animal-based protein because it's, it is a, and this is a a controversial topic, as you know, in this this space, like a lot of people are big proponents of, of plant-based diets. Plant-based diets oftentimes end up being really high in carbohydrates. I have done a lot of testing on a lot of clients over my, my time in clinical practice and people who are plant-based, fully plant-based, you know, there's there's research that shows maybe it reduces cardiovascular risk in some, but it causes other issues, concerns that I have. And protein is really key, not just for muscle building or muscle growth, which is what a lot of us associate it with. Like, well, do I really need more protein? I'm I'm not working out very heavily or these types of things. But protein is is really important for our brain. One of the things that people don't recognize is to talk about serotonin and dopamine or those brain neurotransmitters, they're actually all built off of amino acid building blocks, which are from proteins. So if we're not getting enough protein, it's affecting our brain, it's affecting our mood, it's affecting our cognition. What about like protein powders or like supplemental Mm -hmm. stuff that doesn't make me eat an animal? Yes. Protein powders are great. The the other thing with vegetarian or plant-based proteins is that you get much less protein you have to eat a little bit more of it. And again, things like legumes or grains that have protein, you end up with a lot of carbs, which can also be in ways contributing to sugar cravings. So when I work with a client who has longer term sobriety and still having sugar cravings, that tells me that there's an imbalance in the gut microbiome because the gut microbiome can influence cravings for sweets, for carbs, for sugar. Some really interesting research on the gut microbiome and alcohol cravings um, that I talk about in the book. Yeah. But I'm thinking something like, you know, the gut microbiome is affected and causing that. But also too, for you, because you're vegetarian, I think that that right away tells me you're not getting enough protein. Yeah. So I would say your first task, more protein. Okay. The general kind of what I generally suggest to people is every snack should have at least 15 grams of protein. If you could do more, great. And every meal should have 25 to 30 grams or more of protein. Okay. So what you can do with that information is even if you plug it into a meal tracker for a day or two, just to see how much you're actually getting and then compare to those numbers, you might say, wow, I'm only getting, you know, 10 grams at my meals or 15 grams at my meals. There's room for improvement there. Okay. Okay, good. This is all helpful. And P.S. There are recipes in this book, you guys, and they are amazing. What's your favorite one? There is a magic protein bread under the snacks. Oh, Yes. This is three ingredients. It's tahini, it's eggs, it's baking soda. And then if you decide to go sweet and put some maple in there or cinnamon, or if you decide to make it a little bit more savory and put some spices in there, it is shockingly good and shockingly amazing texture. That's one of my favorites. 
Um, I love anything with goat cheese. I'm also a huge proponent of beets because of how good they are for the liver and they're very rich in B vitamins. So I'm almost always putting my clients on beets and I've got lots of recipes for beets, especially if you're someone who doesn't like beets. I know. I was afraid to say that, (laughs) but I don't like beets. I was afraid to sound high maintenance. I used to not like beets. Yeah. And I learned how to like beets. Yeah. So one of the recipes in here is a bone broth borscht. Borscht is a beet soup. Yes. And basically what it is, is this, it's like a chicken soup with beets in it, right? Okay. So I introduced myself to beets by basically making a chicken soup and putting beets in it and at least drinking the broth because it doesn't really change the flavor too much. And slowly started incorporating beets in. Another recipe that I have in there is my famous beet chocolate covered cherry smoothie. I saw that. I get everybody on beets by either the borscht or the smoothie. So, Okay. The smoothie is going to be my beet entry point, the smoothie. And you guys, there's this mug What's the 90-second mug muffin? I mean, what? That sounds so good. Okay, this is something I do most days of the week is you mix together like five ingredients, almond flour, some maple syrup, an egg white, uh, a couple of other things. And then you put it and you mix it together in a mug and you put it in the microwave for 90 seconds. And it is like the most delicious dessert. It sounds so good. Yeah. And you could put dark chocolate chips, blueberries, raspberries. Yum. Yeah. Of course, I go right to the sweet stuff. Listen, these are all these are all Dr. Brooke approved sweets. So you can have them. There's recipes for everything, including some beverages too. Yes. And you get some mocktails in there. Okay. I feel like the next book, it kind of makes sense to have a cookbook, no? Is that next? Oh my gosh. I'm so not a chef. So I am the kind of person, anyone who knows me or has worked with me knows that I am the 90-second mug person. But that's good because that's what we need. We don't need all of this. Like any recipe, yeah. first of all, any recipe online pisses me off anyway because they're just trying to do SEO and then it's like four pages and you're like, just give me the recipe. But anything that's over like five steps, you've lost me. <laughs> like I'm like, no, yep. I, busy moms, we need like 90-second meals. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm with you. A big a big part of it is for me is is the education and and knowing yes. what the ingredients are and why you're using them and it was important for me to have recipes and and give actionable pieces to this and and everyone's excited that there's recipes more so than than I expected or anticipated but yes and it doesn't say it and we're not like on the book. It's like a surprise for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is community and finding community and sobriety. You, mm-hmm. you include that in the book. And just, yeah, how did you find yours? How important is it to you and to your sober journey? Community is everything. Uh, I think on this journey, we can't do this without other people. Yeah. We can't just be the only one in our social circle or in our environment where we have spent our entire lives drinking and just all of a sudden say, I'm not going to drink and stay connected in the same way to all of the same people. And a big part of the reason that I developed the Functional Sobriety Network, which is my my online community, which is, is a sobriety community that is focused on nutrition and health practices as the key behind our, our sobriety journey I am involved in my community multiple times a day, every single day. I have spent time in some 12-step programs and and have been heavily influenced by those experiences. But I also recognize that 
people aren't going to always go to that, right? Like mm-hmm. I know, Suzanne, in your experience, like you didn't identify with that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't because you have to be at a certain point in your life or in your drinking experience. But that doesn't mean that people who are social drinkers in my drinking archetypes, for example, that they shouldn't have a place to go and people that are they relate to. Yeah. And so it's, it's really important for me to when I'm sharing this information, like nutrition is a big part of this, but we can't do this alone. And it's the same thing as any other health change, right? Right. We need a community. If we start working out, well, we become friends with people at the gym or we, you know, we go to lunch with people that we are active with or, you know, it's very similar. There's a lot of similarities between wellness and sobriety. And what I love is marrying those two things together because it really is one in the same. I know from everyone else who has a community who brings me on to do like a, you know, a guest speaker segment because nutrition is a huge component. Eating is a huge component. You don't have one without the other. So I really believe the community is key. And what I would say if you're listening and you don't have community support yet is that there are so many options now. Well beyond something like Alcoholics Anonymous, there are communities like yours, like mine. There are tons of others now that are are around this gray area drinking and are conversations that are very different than the previous conversations. So exploring different ones and finding what works for you. If you're a mom, Suzanne's your girl. If you're more interested in the wellness angle, I'm your girl, but you can also join Suzanne and I'm going to come and crash that party too. So listen, you'll get both of us no matter what. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yes. You talk about marrying wellness and sobriety and, and you do it so beautifully. You really did nail it with this book. I'm just so thankful to you that it's out in the world soon. You guys can pre-order it. We're going to leave all of the links, everything you need to get it in that we'll leave it in the show notes. It's so needed. And yeah, you are just, you're just a badass. And I couldn't thank you enough. Thank you for saying all of that. And I'm so grateful to be here and be with you and to be a part of this awesome sober community that we built globally, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there's a massive shift in the world. What I can say about nutrition and the, and the book is really, this is just another way into the conversation. Yeah. It's another way into sobriety. It's another way into our experience with changing ourselves for the better. You know, so mm-hmm. many of us have struggled with alcohol, with weight, with food, with just wanting to feel good, right? And I really believe that If you're someone who's listening and you haven't found that thing yet that's really inspired you, it might be the wellness piece, right? And that's why a lot of the people that come to my group join is because a lot of times they're already taking supplements. They're already trying different nutrition recommendations or they're really healthy in all of these other ways and yet they can't make this happen. And so let's do it together. Let's put those two things together and, and use that as a superpower. Yes. This just might be the missing piece. That's so true. Just my thing. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So you can learn more about me and the book at my website, functionalsobriety.com. You can order the book there, but it's available anywhere that books are sold. So your favorite retailer, go ahead and order it now. You can also follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at Dr. Dr. Brooke Scheller. And yeah, check out the book. It's called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. 
heal your gut, mend your mind, and improve nutrition to change your relationship with alcohol. I love it. Bam. Okay, you guys, Bam. go get it. And then and we'll be doing it for our um, Sober Mom Life Cafe book club probably for February. So hopefully you can come and join us. I would love that. Yay. Well, thank you, Brooke. I adore Yay. you. I adore you. Thank you. I adore you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.